Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Now we've been in a three-part series. It's a global series. This series is of awesome. God has been done all over the world and all of the United States. We have a unique experience here in our church because we have the three co-founders here, uh, uh, Dr. Rice, Dr. Steve Murrow, and um, Pastor Phil Bonasso. And, and they all bring something uh, different to the table to our movement because they're all of our apostolic leaders and, 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 and pastors, but Pastor Phil is like the glue. I believe he's like the definition of that word, spiritual family. Um, and he's gonna bring you a mighty word, but I think about the mighty man that he is. He's an excellent friend, excellent father, and family man, grandfather as well. He's, uh, I would say he, we, we have call somebody else the son of fun, but he gave the person that name. He is so much fun. The scripture says laughter makes good like a medicine and it's health and healing to all your bones. He can probably make you laugh and, 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 and cry and just enjoy God at a tremendous level. I thank him for his kingdom investment. And as he concludes our series, Awesome God, would you put your hands together and welcome our co-founder, Pastor Phil Bonasso, as he delivers the word of life to us right now. Come on and give him praise. Give God praise for him. Pastor Phil! Take us somewhere Thank great. Thank you, my man. Thank you so much, Pastor James. What a thrill, what a privilege it is and honor to be with you. Um, one of the greatest blessings of my life has been God's blessing to me to walk with Bishop Rice and Pastor Steve. I am so thankful for them, not only their friendship, but their effect on my life. And as you know, Bishop Rice has infected me with a faith to believe that nothing is impossible with God. To think big and dream big. Amen? And I'm grateful for that. And Pastor Steve has deposited in me a passion for the world, for all the nations of the world, and I'm grateful be because of him I am a global missionary, amen? Praise God. So what a thrill. And I thank them for that. I'm so grateful, Pastor James and Miss Debbie, and all they do here for us. And Pastor David, church planning. Let's do it, baby. Let's take this nation. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You know, before I get going, Pastor James asked me, said, can you show a picture of your family? How many of you want to see a picture of my family? Well, well, hold on now. There's quite a few of them. Let's throw it up here. That was taken about two years ago, so there's been a lot of changes there. For some reason, I've gotten shorter and shorter in that picture. I've got 21 in my family. How about that? Yes, and so this is the picture I'd like you to see, and, it, and uh, it's our professional family picture. Everybody's looking good. But let me tell you what real life looks like with a group of 21. Let's switch that other picture there. Look at all, look at all those crazy faces those kids are making. That's what day-to-day that's -day life is with a clan like that. You know what I call life with 21 people every day? A recipe for a crisis, baby. 
<laughs> Isn't that right, Pastor Steve? Recipe for a crisis. Praise God. I'm just, I'm, I'm, again, I'm so thrilled to share some thoughts with you this morning. The title of my message this morning is The Power of Abiding. The Power of Abiding. And I know you're so familiar with these foundational scriptures, but I want to read out of, out of the Gospel of John, and I'm reading out of the 15th chapter. And just a little backdrop here. This is Jesus at the Last Supper. These last chapters of the book of John, the, the discourse he goes in and the insight into the nature and character of God in these intimate moments is just incredible and thrilling at the same time. So this is the Last Supper. This is the setting where, where right before his death and the culmination of his ministry, he's talking to his men about the most important elements of life. Hallelujah. And, and in John chapter 15, in the first couple of verses, Jesus is using the analogy that we're so familiar with, the vine and the branches. And he's talking about he's the vine, we're the branches, there must be a connection. Amen. Amen. So I want to pick this up here in, chapter, in verse 4. And, let's, and I'm going to read, Abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do just a couple of things, about, about half the things you want to do. No, you can do nothing. And it's always a curious question to me, what we don't understand, what part of nothing comes under nothing. He goes on to say in verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, here's, the, here's what happens. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown in the fire, and burned. But, but, hallelujah, here's the promise. Here's the promise that our promise-making, promise-keeping God makes here. Notice this, but... If you abide in me, in my words, abide in you. Here's what's going to happen. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Praise God. Praise God. What does this word abide mean? It means to dwell in, to, to rest in. I like this, to be firm, to be firm. My favorite favorite definition of this word abide is to be stationary indefinitely. Praise God. 
to be stationary indefinitely. Jesus is saying, be stationary in me indefinitely. In verse 4, I'm reading this again. Abide in me and I in you. Be stationary indefinitely. In the, in the original language here in verse 4, abide in me and I in you. In the original language, here's how, it's, here's how it should be translated, what Jesus is saying to it. Abide in me and see to it. See to it that I abide in you. It's up to you to guard this relationship that we have. Praise God to abide. Why is this? What's, what's Jesus in this intimate moment trying to say to his disciples? Is he on some kind of power trip, some kind of authority trip? No, no. He's talking about the fact that we are inextricably bound independent on God. We are bound. And here's why. Because the creator has made us in his image and likeness. We've been designed by God. We've been created by God to be connected to him. When the fall came and that broke, there was a disconnect. And Jesus has repaired that And therefore, we can enter into this relationship. But we've been engineered, designed by God to be connected with him. And when we're connected with him, life takes on its full meaning and purpose. Its full meaning and purpose. We've been engineered to walk closely connected with God. And when we do... Everything comes into focus. Life, meaning, purpose, because we've been created by the creator creator to be with him. Meaning fills our life. When we're connected with him, purpose fills our life. Value fills our life. An understanding, hallelujah, of who we are fills our life. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Several years ago, the commission, uh, a, a psychological commission team set out to find out and, and research and study the, what is the secret of happiness, <laughs> the secret of happiness in life. And I know maybe some of you might say happiness is not a real biblical term. Well, I love that term. Hallelujah. I love to be happy. Don't you wish there was a happy pill somewhere? Praise God. But we could turn that word around and call it fulfillment. What is the essence of fulfillment in this secular group that this years-long study trying to find this out? And you know what? They couldn't find it. They couldn't find the secret. But what they did find out was what didn't make you happy. What didn't make you happy? And and I just want to tell you this real quick. The first thing they found out that didn't make you happy was that all the success or achievement that you could accomplish will not satisfy you. Will not satisfy you. No amount of money, if you can believe it or not, will not satisfy you. No amount of fame will satisfy you. These are the things that the seculars, this secular study found. The last thing they found was no one relationship, no one human relationship can ultimately provide you fulfillment. 
All these things that we look at and see that we might think, man, if only this, if only that, then maybe I could, I'd find meaning and per- my life would be fulfilled. The, the answer is no. Let me help you understand, beloved. Your wife, your husband cannot satisfy in you what only God can. What only God can. And when we're connected to him, everything comes into order. Our sense of identity, our sense of value, our sense of purpose, hallelujah, and meaning. You know, I love using the the car analogy here. You know, the car has been engineered and designed. I know we have electric cars today, but I'm talking about the good old cars. They've been engineered and designed to operate on a chemical that's derived from oil called gasoline. And when you put the right gas inside that car, it runs right. But put water in it, see what happens. It begins to break down. Fill it up with Pepsi and see what happens. It's really going to break down. We've been designed, created for this union. It's interesting here. Jesus talks about this abiding. He goes on to define it, what it means practically. He says in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. My words abide in you. Real specific here. My words abide in you. What is he talking about? Why his word? We know He was the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Hallelujah. God is a word God. It's his word that he's given us. It's through his word that he does everything. It's through his word that change comes into this world and into our lives. His word is filled with God's power. I love what Jesus says in John, the sixth chapter. He says, my word is spirit and it is life. Whoo, I'm talking about high-test gasoline, baby. My word is spirit and it is life. He does everything through his word. Hebrews 11.3 says this, by faith we understand that the world which we see, the natural world, has been created by the word of God so that what is seen has not been made out of things that are visible. God's word carries with it the creative power to change things. Abide in my word and watch everything in your life come forth. Hallelujah. God's word changes things. We understand that the supernatural power of God's word formed this natural world. It's God's word that can bend the earth and bend the mountains out of the way. Hallelujah. There's nothing that the word of God can't do. Jesus is emphasizing this here. He's saying the power of abiding is keeping my word. We talk about discipleship. Jesus said this early on, John 11, if you love me, you keep my word. This, when it comes to connecting with God and abiding with God, there's something about living and dwelling in the power of this word that makes that work. Hallelujah. That makes that work. Hebrews 4.12 says this. 
The word of God is alive and active. Hallelujah. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Beloved, I want you to understand that when we encounter this word, when we sit in its presence, when we encounter it and put ourselves, when we meditate, read, work on it, labor with it, something incredible begins to happen. The word, its power begins to transform us and change us. It comes inside, as the scriptures say here, like a mighty sword and begins to work on us on the inside. It begins to work on our thoughts and attitudes and changes us. Things begin to happen when we abide in this word. The promises God here says that if we abide in this word, nothing is impossible for me to do in your life. The connection here is the word. The word is what is going to bring about change we're believing for in our life. You know, I love to share this funny story of, of how this word works and how it produces, how it produces change and brings forth the promise in our life. I know all of us have experienced this. But as Pastor David mentioned, many years ago, we planted churches in California. I've spent most of my life living in Southern California. And a lot of my work required me to travel on planes, and so I was always flying from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. It seemed everything I was doing was on the East Coast. So I was regularly on these long transcontinental flights back and forth, and depending on the time of year, from California to the East Coast, it could be four or five hours. That's a long flight. And so this particular time, because I fly with the same airline and am a frequent flyer with them, this one rare time, this may be the only time this happened, on, this, on these long flights, I got an email from the airline saying this. They said, Mr. Panasso, because of your loyalty... We have upgraded you to first class on the flight home from the East Coast to the West Coast. And I thought, praise God. Thank you, Lord, for that. What a blessing. I mean, yes, what a blessing. I mean, rare that on that particular flight that ever happened. What a blessing. And I remember going on the work week and all the meetings. On, and when I was on the East Coast, we were in the meetings. And every now and then I'd sit back in that meeting and I'd think, mm-mm. But the ride home, oh, man, that's going to be nice. So the meetings would go on and I'd think, oh, man, okay, yeah, this all. Oh, but the ride home. Well, I can't wait for the ride home, baby. And so the meet, my meetings ended early on Friday, and I thought, man, I'm going to hop the earlier flight, make sure I meet my transcontinental connection. I'm going to make it. I'm going to get in there a little bit early so I don't miss that first-class seat. So I called up the airline and said, listen, bump me to the earlier connecting flight. They said, no problem. They said, we've done it. You just got to recheck in. I went to recheck in, and I was doing it. I realized 
that my first class seat was gone on that next flight. And I panicked. I just started panicking. And I called the airline. I said, wait a minute here. I said, there's, there's been a big mistake. Something happened to my seat. And the airline said to me, well, when you, when you decided to change your, to the earlier flight, we had to rebook you on the other flight. And we lost your seat. Oh, man. I was frustrated. I was mad. And I said, what are you talking about? Why didn't you tell me that? They said, we're sorry, we thought you knew that. I said, listen to me. You fix this right now. You, I'll, you, you fix this right now. And the young lady said, okay, sir, let me see what I can do. So she disappeared for a minute and came back. She said, oh, I'm just so sorry. I said, what do you mean? She said, it's gone. It's sold now. She said, all the seats are sold. And she said, as a matter of fact, it's oversold. We've got a wait list. She said, there's nothing I can do. And I went, ah! I hung up that phone, and I stood there, and I grabbed my Bible. I grabbed this living word. And I prayed. I said, mighty God, you gave me that seat. And I'm asking by faith, right? I said, I want that seat back in Jesus' name. I said, I'm going to pick up this phone, and I'm going to get it. So I called here back. I said, give me a supervisor. The supervisor got on the phone. I told him everything that happened. I said, now get my seat. He said, yes, sir, let me see what I can do. I said, Good. He disappeared, and he came back. He said, I'm just so sorry. He said, they're just gone. He said, he said, listen to this. He said, it's impossible for me to create a seat that isn't there. And he, I said, impossible? He said, he said, not only that, it's so oversold. He said, I'm so sorry about it. And so I took, I hung up that phone and threw it across the room to the bed. I was so upset. My seat was gone. Imagine that. I went to the airport mad. I was mad when I checked in. I was mad walking down the terminal. I was trying to give as many dirty looks as I could to life in the world. You know, it's funny when you're mad like that, how the devil piles on, isn't it? He whispered in my ear. He said, you know, life is miserable. I said, yes, it is. He said, nobody cares either. I said, nobody cares about anything. He said, you're all alone. I said, I've been alone. I'm alone. I got on that connecting flight about an hour long. I was mad, frustrated, but Jesus said, see to it that you abide in me. See to it. I reached down, the first thing, I reached for this living word, spirit life. You say, Pastor Phil, did you feel like doing that? Are you kidding me? 
Romans 8 says the flesh is at enmity with God. Then you know, my flesh doesn't want to pray. I was overrun by a flesh truck. Right? I was mad. All oh, my bad attitude. Yeah, I mean, but, but let me ask you this. What's our feelings got to do with it? When it comes to faith, I don't care how I feel. I'm reaching for this word. I'm reaching. I, oh, man. And I open it up right there on that one-hour flight, and I begin to focus. I begin to wrestle with it. I begin to wrestle with the living word. I begin to wrestle with the power of God's presence in his word. I let it, I meditate. I let it begin to wash my mind. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word is a sword. The word is a sword that begins to penetrate, come through our eye gate and touch the supernatural dimension of our eternal beings. Hallelujah. And the word begins to slice through my emotions, my thoughts. It begins to make them right. It begins to, to cultivate, to focus, to recenter. You know, I'm 15 minutes into this, and all of a sudden I drop my head. I go, oh, my God. Philly boy, what's wrong with you? What are you crying about? Some stupid airplane seat. And now your life is ruined? You see how we lose perspective? Oh, but the Word. And I'm sitting there with the Word working, and I've always found my said, Father, I was just so sorry for my attitudes of bad. 15 minutes in, you said, it's good you fixed that. I didn't fix it. This fixed it. This fixed what was wrong, and I couldn't fix it on my own. This abiding fixed it. About 15 minutes deeper, the longer you're in it, the deeper it goes in our life. Listen, I appreciate every attempt, the, the reading, the Bible studies and reading of the Scripture problems and all, all that. Thank God for it. But let me appeal to you, Abide. Take some time to let this word work for you. About the 30-minute mark, all of a sudden a praise comes on me. <laughs> a praise begins to come on me. And not only now have I repented from attitudes, now, I'm, now there's a praise lifting in me. Because this word, if I have faith today, it's because the word is inside of me. If hope burns in me like a fire, it's because the word is inside of me. Hallelujah. Man, we've been designed for connection. The word, it's burning in my about 30 minutes in. I got a praise on me now. Oh, and I told the devil, oh, devil, here I come. I've got a praise working now, and I begin to thank God. I'm sitting there in that plane going, God, I give you praise. I, I, just that I have life and breath, I give you praise. I'm being transformed, and I give you praise. I'm worshiping him. And finally, about the 45-minute mark, I'm just thundering with faith inside. I mean, I can't hold it down. I'm praying and believing. I'm talking and confessing. I begin to cry out to God, and I say, Lord, listen to me. I said, I don't care where I sit on this stupid airplane. 
I said, I'll sit in the, I'll sit in the bathroom. I'll sit in the lugger. It doesn't matter to me. I give you praise. You know, it just so turned out when they gave my seat away, there were no other seats left on the plane except the one sitting way in the back by the bathroom door. And that was my seat now. And I said, God, I'll sit there forever for you. I'm going to sit there and witness to everybody. I said, devil, everybody that comes by, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to hold this Bible up in their face. And I just began to worship God. I got off that plane. I'm walking through that Atlanta airport. Hundreds of people in my arms are like this. Pray, people looking at me. I walk up to the gate. And I kid you not, and I, and in 40 years of flying, I've had different upgrades, but I've never seen it like this. I walk up to the gate, hundreds of people getting on this transcontinental flight, and there's this, the big TV screen, which usually has cities, had turned completely red. And in white letters, big white letters, it said, Mr. Phil Bonasso. You have been upgraded. And before 300 people, I fell on my knees like this. And I heard, I heard that whisper of the Holy Spirit say to me, if you abide in me, in my word lives in you. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be granted. He said this, nothing. He said, oversold seeds, I can create a seed out of anything. Praise God. This is my great appeal as I close. I know you, 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 in many ways, we know these things, this abiding. But I'm asking you in 2021 to make a fresh commitment to this. Of all the amazing ways we can touch and abide in God through through reading good books and good Bible studies and worship and all, nothing compares to the spirit of life on this word that needs to fill you every day. I'm appealing to you to, to as, as we're praying and believing for 2021, I'm believing for our house here and every need in your life, every mountain in your life. I'm talking to you, t teenagers, high schoolers, college, every walk of life. I want you to understand something, that if you'll loose this word in your life, if you'll let it abide in you, if you'll let it work in you, God will begin to change the impossible. If you'll let this creative word come into your life, it'll begin to bend your will into his will. Hallelujah. It'll begin to bend your circumstances toward victory. It'll begin to move the mountains out of the way. I'm believing with you. You're believing with us. I'm believing in 2021 for all 10 of those church plants to prosper 
and explode. I'm believing for the nations that we're going to reach this year. Oh, yes. You know, I know there's all kinds of challenges, but if we abide in this word, ask whatever you will. This is the promise. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be granted to you. Lord, I'm praying. Lord, I'm praying somehow your Holy Spirit will take this fundamental truth and awaken us. Everyone in this room, everything you're looking for, everything you think that might fulfill you or or bring you into meaning and purpose will end up short compared to what you've been created for, to be connected. God in his word. And I'm praying that somehow this word would encourage you to go deeper this year. Make a commitment every day. Jesus said every day, come and follow me. Every day, find 30 minutes and abide in his word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Happy New Year.